a super majority of Americans want Donald Trump criminally charged, according to a new poll. 80% of Americans want responsible gun ownership, according to a new poll. What can we expect this week where we have two more January 6th committee hearings? Jordy and I will break it down. And there is a full-blown conflict in the Republican Party between Ultra MAGA and MAGA light. They are attacking <laughs> each other. They are eating themselves up because let's just be clear, that party is not conservative anymore. They are radical right extremists. There are various gradations of it from extremely extreme to extreme, but they are all going after each other. But the one consistent strain throughout that extreme is they're probably the most hypocritical people ever. I want to break down just some of the hypocrisy taking place. And we have Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, who is joining the podcast. Attorney General Nessel has done so much for the state of Michigan, so much for this country, advancing civil rights, human rights. I'm super excited to have her on the show. Brett's not feeling well. Don't worry. You got Ben and Jordy, your two favorite Mycellus brothers at the helm (laughs) of the ship today. Jordy, how are you feeling today? I'm doing well. I'm excited, man. It seems like we can't get three brothers on the show anymore. What's going on here? You know, you know what? The one consistent theme is you've got this brother on the show, the older brother holding it down. Let's get right into it. Nearly six in 10 Americans think former President Donald Trump. I cringe when I have to even use the P word in front of Donald Trump, but that he should be charged with a crime for his role in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. This increased from about 50 to 52 percent from an earlier ABC News Washington Post poll. The new poll basically shows a super majority, basically 60 percent in a survey, believe that Trump should be charged. Jordy, people were saying the January 6th committee, oh, the echo chamber, no one's going to listen, oh, blah, blah, blah. Why is this even going to accomplish? Why would they put this on? No one's watching. Oh, shut up. And the polls show it. You're wrong. Your doom and gloom attitude is boring and overplayed. Just get out the way and let the real people handle the real work. All right. (laughs) Look, no more doom and gloom attitude, because here's the reality. Are we going to convince the ultra ultra MAGA to completely do a 180 on their radical extremist views? No, but there is a core group of independents who are watching what's taking place very carefully. And they are identifying with the witnesses the January 6th committee is putting up. Recall, January 6th committee has not put a single Democrat on the panel. They have not called a single Democratic witness on a witness panel yet. They've all been Republicans. And in fact, most of them have worked for Trump in some capacity in the deposition footage that we've seen. So we have some of the most conservative jurists like Judge Luddig. We have Vice President Pence's top lawyer like Greg Jacob. We have the top Republican election lawyer in Ginsburg. We've got the Fox News political editor who called the election for Biden. I mean, you had Bill Stepien in a deposition, you know, one of the chief advisors to Donald Trump and the Trump administration uh, saying that this was all, you know, BS. You literally have a Bill Barr 
saying that all of Donald Trump's claims are bullshit. We it's have a quote as an exact quote It's an exact quote. We have Donald Trump's counsel, Eric Hirschman, telling Trump's other lawyer, John Eastman, don't you effing call me anymore unless it's to tell me orderly transition of power. I mean, if I just framed it the way I did and you look at this and you go, this is a partisan witch hunt. The only thing that this is partisan is that everyone's Republican who's been called so far. This is as not partisan as you can be. And this is changing hearts and minds of people. It's hard for me to believe that people were on the fence to begin with, but this is changing the hearts and minds of people. Jordy, what's your reaction? It absolutely is. But Ben, you also forgot that all of the Republicans testifying are rhinos. No, that's obviously a ridiculous thing that these MAGA Republicans are saying and calling these people who are testifying rhino this, rhino that. It's such a smart decision the way the January 6th committee has let this unfold. Bring every single Republican and have them testify every Republican, because it seems that everyone who testifies, the MAGA base tries to distance themselves from. And sooner or later, there's just not going to be many people left for them to distance themselves with if they keep going at this pace. Such a smart move. I've said this once. I say it every time we go on the podcast, the J6 committee has been flawless in their execution. And Jordy, you mentioned the term rhinos, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, this fight between ultra MAGA and MAGA light and ultra MAGA calls MAGA light rhinos. Apparently, if you don't believe that Donald Trump should be the emperor of the United States and be a perpetual dictator, if you don't pledge your allegiance to Donald Trump over the United States Constitution right now, you're considered a rhino. That's how far they've moved. Like a rhino is no longer to them, even someone like an Adam Kitzinger or a Liz Cheney. It's someone <laughs> who just doesn't literally praise undying fealty to Donald Trump at this point. But you see this guy, this guy running for senator in Missouri. This is an ex-governor. He put out a campaign ad today about going hunting for rhinos with his gun. And I don't even want to play the clip because it's so horrendous. But Eric Greitens, who was forced out of office as a governor based on all of these scandals and campaign finance issues and being accused of sexual assault and all of these accusations that forced him in a very short term when he was uh, governor, he's running for Senate right now. And he released this ad about going rhino hunting to get the nomination as a Republican. And, you know, as one commentator said, it's not even like he was trying to be humorous and has some like failed attempt at humor where he was like on a safari searching for like an actual rhino, you know, wearing a hat, which would still be in completely bad taste. This campaign ad shows him with a gun with police knocking into someone's home. It just looks like they're breaking into someone's home to kill an individual, like to kill an actual Republican who they consider to be a rhino. Like the video is of him breaking in to try to murder somebody. That's what the campaign ad is. And it goes, I'm hunting rhinos. It's just so tone deaf, man. I it, These people are just so tone deaf. We're having a very serious conversation about the future of gun laws in this country. And you're going to re release an ad where you're just breaking and entering into somebody's home and shooting them because they don't align with you politically. I mean, that is disgusting. And I think we saw a Fox News poll, Ben, that showed something like 80% of Americans in this country now want gun laws to include raising the age from 18 to 21. That's a Fox quote unquote news poll right there. Yeah. So Fox News brought over the weekend Senator Mike Lee of Utah on the show 
and asked him about, uh, you know, gun reform and, and uh, responsible gun ownership. They po- they showed the polling that shows the Fox News polling that over 80 percent of Americans want to raise the age for having assault weapons from 18 to 21, support stronger background checks. And a significant majority of Americans just want to ban assault weapons kind of outright. But you still have this 80 percent who want age limits and other responsible gun ownership measures. And then Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee is basically standing there saying, well, I don't think people know what an assault weapon is. People Mm -hmm. are very confused by the question. No one knows what an assault weapon is. Why are you classifying this as an assault weapon? And that was really their talking point. Ted Nugent went on, you know, TV to kind of hammer in. He held up like a flashlight and he was like, is this an assault weapon? If I assault you with it? No, you stupid idiot. What an assault weapon is, is an AR-15. It's a weapon of war. It's designed based on a war weapon that was used in Vietnam, that's used in Iraq, and that an 18-year-old who has no credit, who has no financial backing, who just turns 18, should not be able, with the most simple click of their mouse, to get a weapon of war. That is a widely popular opinion in the United States of America that there should be responsible gun ownership. Nobody, and there's really nobody, Jordy, who's really even talking about who have Democratic leadership positions about taking away your guns. It's let's have responsible gun ownership if there's going to be these guns out there. Let's just be responsible about it. Seems like a fair opinion. But look, 80 plus percent of Americans are looking at this and saying we need responsible gun ownership. And the Republicans, they are they are so faithful to the NRA and not the American people that they're left with this position of people don't know what assault weapons are. People know what assault weapons are. Mike. It's so sad that these politicians, specifically the Republican, the MAGA's men, that they are just in the pocket of the NRA. The NRA pays for their homes, pays for their lifestyle. So they're not representing um, these politicians. They're not representing their constituents. They're representing the NRA. And they go on these shows. And Ted, let me just back up real quick. Ted Nugent looked cr- like not great. He's never looked great, but Ted Nugent's appearance, I was shot. I haven't looked at him in a while. Oh my God. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. What have we learned in these first two segments already, Ben? Common sense is what the American people just want, right? Over nearly 60% of Americans want to see Trump uh, criminally prosecuted because of his role in the insurrection. 80% of Americans want to see common sense gun legislation pass. It's not rocket science. It's common sense. And there's no media other than the Midas Media Network and a few others, though, who are presenting that perspective. You only have radical right extremist media in Fox News. And then you have CNN, which is making a hard turn right. I don't even know what in the world they're, you know, they're doing, because here's the thing. When they claim that some of their commentators You know, this is how CNN saying, oh, well, you're being too political. You're not being too political if you're condemning an insurrection. That's not a political position. You're not being too political if you say during a global pandemic that we should follow the advice of our health experts. 
It's when that strain of kind of corporate media then views those very basic acts and says, well, you're politicizing it. And I say, I'm not politicizing anything. It's the radical right extremists who have turned very basic and fundamental rights and health issues into these political uh, you know, hot potatoes that shouldn't exist in the first place. And now you're just buying into their rhetoric. That's what's going on. And that's why, Jordy, we need to have these conversations, because would you really know from watching mainstream media that there is this civil war, if you will, going on within the Republican Party between like extreme MAGA and MAGA light, as I like to call, they don't even cover that. They like to go, oh, the Democrats are in disarray. We're not in disarray. We are very united on like 98% of the issues. There will be some disagreements, but we overall are very united in these common sense issues that I think is where most of Americans stand. But we have to listen to all this BS every day from Fox News and then CNN reacting to Fox News. And no one's talking about what the issues are and to break through the rhetoric. So here's what's going on with the radical right extremists. So Texas held their convention. It was the first time they've held their convention. It's like the most radical agenda that they've ever, you know, passed, you know, in, in the history of, uh, you know, of, of Texas. I mean, I'll go through with you what this um, agenda was, you know, in, in a little bit, but at the agenda, you had um, Dan Crenshaw who showed up at rather at the uh, convention. And as soon as he showed up, he got like, the all the ultra magas who were there. I mean, and Dan Crenshaw, by the way, he aligned himself with ultra magas like he sewed this, you know, he, he sewed this to himself by aligning. You know, he has the pictures of himself with Enrique Tario. Yeah. He leaned in on, on all of these things. But because he hasn't been 100 percent faithful to Donald Trump, they call him a globalist. They were calling him Patch McCain. I mean, I want you to frame this here. John McCain, a war hero. You can say whatever you want to say about Dan Crenshaw's politics. He's a Navy SEAL mm -hmm. who defended this country bravely overseas and has written about in detail how valiantly he served the country. He lost his eye in battle in fighting for our country and for these radical right MAGA extremists who support an individual like Donald Trump, who claimed burst spurs to get five deferments so he never had to go to Vietnam in the first place. This chicken shit Donald Trump who projects to be a strong man who lied to avoid his military service. That they're mocking in one McCain and Crenshaw, two people who have fought for this country as actual military patriots, but they like booed and literally like attacked Dan Crenshaw at the convention. You see that video, Jordy? That was crazy. That, that was crazy. But it's also like, I don't feel bad for Dan Crenshaw in the sense that to what we spoke about earlier, he aligned himself with these lunatics. He aligned himself with this MAGA fringe. And now he's reaping the benefits of that. And like you said, if you're not aligning with 100% that um, Donald Trump is still the president of the United States or whatever they were mad at him specifically about, I think they were calling him a globalist, um, then they're going to come after you. And he's now, along with Ted Cruz, who we'll talk about in a second, are seeing what happens once you get so close to this disgusting fringe and not even get close to it, but, but welcome it with open arms.
And then real quick, before we move off of it, they're not just shouting I patch McCain just haphazardly. Do you know where they picked that up from? They picked that up from Tucker Carlson from watching Fox News. That phrase wasn't in the colloquial of, of this MAGA base until uh, until Tucker Carlson spewed that a few weeks back. And now it's all I see everywhere I go. Yeah, no, that, that's where they feed. The Fox News injects that extremism right into the veins and they go out and they literally attack these people. And then you have Senator Cornyn, a Texas senator who was out speaking as well. They booed him because he's one of the senators who are part of the compromise uh, for responsible gun ownership. So he got booed. And then when you had Ted Cruz also, you know, recently was attacked as well and by the ultra MAGA. And they were basically, you know, they were calling him Cancun Cruz. They were mocking him, you know, for not standing up to to Trump. And Cruz like thought that these people may have been like, you know, people on, I hate the left right dichotomy with what we have right now, but these were ultra MAGA people going after Cruz as a globalist and as, you know, an anti-Trumper and being weak. But it's kind of like, be careful what you wish for, you know, Jordy, right? I mean, like they, they, they sow the seed themselves. Look, man, these, these people are just, these people are just lunatics. And, and, and I don't feel bad for them in the sense that they brought this on themselves. At the end of the day, they brought this on. They welcome this MAGA base. It's their bed. They have to lay in it. So let's talk about what the Texas Republican Party voted on this platform to declare Biden as not legitimately elected, that the 2020 election was stolen, that homosexuality is an abnormal lifestyle choice, requiring kids to be taught that life begins at fertilization, amending the Texas Constitution to remove the legislature's power to regulate the wearing of arms with a view to prevent crime. Uh, requiring Texas students to learn about the humanity of a preborn child, deeming gender identity disorder a genuine and extremely rare mental health condition, ensuring freedom to travel by opposing Biden's clean energy plan and California-style anti-driver policies, abolishing the Federal Reserve. This is what the Republican Party has adopted. This is how outrageous and extreme they are there, that that's what ultra MAGA is. And you're going to see this rolled out. We are seeing it rolled out in the, you know, in other states, but this is the radical extremist agenda that they stand for and that they vote for. And if we don't seize our democracy, if we don't fight for our democracy each and every day, those are the types of policies that are going to be implemented. And Jordy, it's tinged, though, with the sense of hypocrite, because as we go west from Texas to the state of Arizona, Carrie Lake, who used to be a newscaster over there, you may have seen this story as well. Carrie Lake, who's running for governor, she's seeking the Republican nomination there. You know, she's gone on this whole anti-drag queen uh, you know, campaign. That's the Republicans new caravan, you know, because they have nothing to run on, you know, and people aren't, I guess, buying into the, you know, migrant caravan thing anymore. Now it's drag queens are going to be, you know, running in and uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what, I don't even know what the argument is, but their whole thing is dra- anti-drag queens now. Um, at the same time, Republicans uh, are allowing, you know, the proliferation of AR-15s and other weapons and but drag queens is the issue that they mm. want to focus on. But here's the thing where they're so hypocritical. So over the weekend, uh, Barbara Seville, who's widely known in Phoenix, is probably the most well-known drag queen mm-hmm. in the area. 
Um, she was very close with Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake was her friend for like the past decade. And when the Carrie FDM's Lake going was a back for years. And Carrie Lake's daughter would actually go to drag queen shows of Barbara Seville. And they would hang out. They were friends. You know, they would send nice text messages to each other. And then Carrie Lake just takes this position, this hateful position against her friend to throw red meat to the hateful base. And Barbara Seville was like, what the frick are you doing? We're, I thought we were friends, you know, and it just highlights, though, that this is all coming from a place of hypocrisy and fear by making yourself subservient to Donald Trump, a man himself who is just the epitome of a hypocrite who genuinely stands for nothing other than self-aggrandizement, other than himself. You're not tethered to any policy other than let me take the most hateful position to rile up a base, to try to energize a rally and get the people out with the pitchforks mm -hmm. to support me and then try to scare others away. That's the old strategy that exists. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to change the conversation sort of away from guns here and, and start attacking communities at large. Women in this country are under attack right now. The LGBTQ community in this country is under attack right now from very hateful people. And you could stand by and do nothing if, you're, if you claim to be an ally, but you can't. You actually can't. You have to show your allyship. You have to speak up and you have to speak out because these communities are under attack and it's other voices along with theirs that will help make sure that their safety is, is issue number one in this country. And that's what you said, Jordy, that your safety, that your identity, that your recognition of your fundamental human rights will be recognized. And just going back briefly to Texas for a second, the Texas Republican Party voted to shut out the log cabin Republicans, an organization of gay Republicans from participating in their convention. Now, he, you have to help me understand this, Jordy, like if the political party does not even want to allow me to enter the room. Why can I trust this political party to support anything? They don't even recognize my identity. They don't even recognize my existence. They are so against me that they won't even allow us to be present with them. And ultimately, and this is what uh, Midas had, you know, put on its uh, Twitter account, you know, a statement that was, you know, if you support hate, eventually the hate's going to come for you, mm -hmm. you know, and we've heard, you know, uh, you know, particularly like in the Holocaust, first they came for this group, then they came for this group and they came for this group, but I didn't do anything. Then they came for me. Mm -hmm. That's the way it works. Hateful people are going to come for you when you're not useful to them anymore. And that's what we saw there as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so frustrating because you want to be able to have a, a conversation with members of the log cabin and be like, Hey, why? But they can't give you a legitimate answer. It goes back to our conversation about the J six committee putting on Republicans because every Republican is a, is a rhino who they speak with. It's like how many people have to be, um, called out. How many people have to be just totally shunned by this MAGA base for the party at large to start waking up and shun the MAGA wing? Get the MAGA wing out of here. But unfortunately, the MAGA wing is the majority of the party. You thought there were blockbuster hearings already from the Jan 6 committee. Wait until this week's hearings coming up, which will explore 
Trump's role uh, in direct role in overthrowing the election. And one of the hearings that we can expect to focus on um, is Trump's personal uh, uh, interaction with people to create these fake elector slates. One of these fake elector slates was from Michigan. We're going to have Attorney General Dana Nessel on um, where the Republican Party and extremists tried to put forward fake electors that went against the will of the people so that those fake electors would vote for Trump, even though that's not where the popular vote was in a specific state. And Adam Schiff tells uh, told CNN that the January 6th committee has evidence tying Donald Trump directly to the fraudulent elector scheme and that the committee will reveal that evidence to show the president's involvement in that scheme. So we can look forward to that. And we could also look forward to uh, Jamie Raskin's day when Jamie Raskin will be doing the questioning where he will be talking about the back channels between the Proud Boys and Oath Keeper terrorist group and the White House. Jamie Raskin says all of that will come soon. And so make no mistake, what we will be hearing in the coming days and weeks is Donald Trump and the White House direct interaction with terrorist groups to plan and plot to overthrow our democracy. And we already know these terrorist groups have been charged with seditious conspiracy. We already know that uh, there's been a lot of guilty pleas already. Um, for people who engage in the conspiracy to overthrow. There have been many trials when the jury has been out for like an hour, some a few hours before finding, you know, these people who were involved in Jan 6 guilty. And ultimately, the conspiracy involves co-conspirators and the co-conspirator that the Jan 6 committee is going to show is Donald Trump. So I'm super excited. We should all be paying attention to that. And I'm super excited to bring in Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel to the podcast, a big friend of the Midas Touch podcast. We've interviewed her previously. Um, and we talked about in that uh, where we thought this was several months ago at this point, um, where it was even in 2021, I think, where we interviewed her. Um, and we talked about our view that Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned. It was sadly a very prescient interview at the time, but I'm excited to have her back to talk about what's going on in Michigan. Before bringing her in, I want to give a special shout out to our next partner, Athletic Greens, which has a product that I literally use every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because for me, the vitamin regimen that I was preparing for myself with these different gummies and pills was just not working at all. I needed something that was cheap, that tasted good, that I could get quickly and that can give me the energy that I need. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, 
va- vegan, dairy-free or gluten-free. This is for you. It costs you less than $3 a day. So you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And tons of people take some kind of multivitamin and it's important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens will give you a free one-year supply. That's a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Midas and take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And this podcast is also brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp for me has just completely transformed my mental health how I go about getting therapy. It's been great. So what is better help therapy, online therapy? You know, if you're feeling burned out or overwhelmed, as many people are right now, uh, sometimes we all need, and, and, and this including myself, to go have some therapy, you know, to speak with a professional who can really help you. And BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize your help talking with someone who can help you figure out what's causing you stress in your life. And why I like better help is that I don't have to drive. Sometimes when I go and I drive to a therapist, the driving sometimes is stressful and stinking in traffic and that causes me stress. And on the way back, it causes me stress. And so I could just, you know, go online. I could find a therapist. They make a great fit. It was easy for me to find who the therapist would be. I found someone who I trusted right away. You don't even have to show your face. If you don't want to show your face on it, you know, you, cool. you, you don't have, you don't have to do that. Um, and it's just customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And here's what I like too. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you could be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours and get this. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Midas. That is betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash Midas. Go to betterhelp.com slash Midas now. We won't regret it. Join many others, including myself, who get their online therapy from BetterHelp. Now let's bring in our interview with Attorney General Nessel. Welcome back to the Midas Touch podcast. We are joined by Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Welcome to the pod, Attorney General. Thanks so much for having me back. I appreciate it. Well, I want to get right into it. So recently you've been in the news. You were speaking at a civil rights conference about a lot of the Republican extremist views, how you know they're going after trans athletes. Now they've made this fake issue over drag queens, whatever it is to basically scare people. You made a joke during the session, but what your focus was on, can we focus on real issues here? But I guess there's no room for nuance anymore in discussions or even, you know, to have some level of humor to make the point. So what'd you say, Attorney General? What'd you mean? And what's going on in your state overall where they're even making drag queens an issue now when there are real issues to be focused on? Well, that's exactly the the problem, right? The Republicans don't have real solutions to our very real issues, so they can simply fabricate them. 
And what they do is they pick uh, oftentimes the most marginalized members of society and turn them into scapegoats. So, you know, recently we had um, Republican gubernatorial candidates and members, Republicans who are members of our state legislature talk about the, the banning of children uh, ever seeing either drag queens perform or even um, reading time uh, where they sometimes, you know, will have reading hours at, at local libraries. Um, and, you know, I said in my experience of being around drag queens, I think that they're fun and pure entertainment. Uh, generally, when I see them, they're impersonating uh, a celebrity. Uh, most recently, I was at an event the other day where there was a Dolly Parton impersonator who was singing uh, Dolly Parton songs uh, or lip syncing them, at least. And the kids loved it. Um, so I said, are you kidding me? Um, not only do drag queens not uh, terrify children or psychologically or physically harm children, um, drag queens are fine. And wouldn't it be great if we had a drag queen in every school? Now, when I said that, um, for the humorless Republicans that are listening to me right now, obviously, I was joking. We don't have enough drag queens for every school. Um, but, but that being the case, uh, you know, it, it was a joke, clearly. But now there are headlines running all around my state and nationally about that. And the reason for that is this. Um, it's not just the, the absolute lack uh, of humor exhibited by these individuals, but it's, it's also because they just don't have real solutions to any of our problems. And mm -hmm. because they would never dare to, uh, to create any restrictions on firearms, which actually do harm kids in school, uh, because they're not willing to fund more you know, psychologists, more social workers, uh, better pay uh, and benefits for teachers, um, and because they're unwilling to address some of the systemic issues at play, which I have been doing in addressing the school to prison pipeline, and I've been going all over the state and talking about restorative practices that would actually allow for more children to graduate and fewer kids to be uh, expelled where they have terrible outcomes. Instead, they had to pick up on this line that, again, obviously I was making in jest, but it, it just tells you where the Republican Party is at these days. Um, and how, you know, e even the most feeble attempts at humor, um, they take it and run with it because they have absolutely nothing else. Right. And you talk about firearms, you know, what really terrifies parents in Michigan and across the United States of America are school shootings that they will drop off their children into a school. And because we allow 18 year olds, people who just turn 18, who have no credit to pick up firearms at their local shop with very little background check, if any, pick it up and do whatever they want to do. That's what's scaring parents. You know, we saw this Fox News poll over 80 percent of Americans, you know, support age uh, raising the age limit from 18 to 21 on assault weapons and also support support responsible gun ownership. I think that is why they're running on drag queens and trans athletes and all these fake issues when you have overwhelming support for the issues that really matter to Americans. But how do we break through, Attorney General? How do we talk to Americans and say, stop listening to that noise? These are the issues. Let's focus. Yeah, it's it's hard to know, right? Because, you know, we had a, a school shooting in Michigan last November, uh, Oxford High School. Um, there were four children that were murdered 
uh, and several more that um, were seriously injured, including a, a teacher. And that was a 15-year-old who was able uh, to um, obtain a, a firearm because uh, we don't have safe and secure storage in Michigan. I mean, we can't even get an, a hearing at this point on a law that would make it a crime for people who reside with minors not to, you know, secure their firearm properly in a manner that minors can't, uh, you know, possess it or, you know, get hold of it. We can't even do that. We can't even get a hearing on it. So I guess the question is, how are we going to better uh, arm, if you will, uh, you know, voters in this state with that kind of information? We know the polling on it, right? So we know that an issue like that polls above 90% in this state. But again, the Republicans who are in charge of, of you know, our state house and our state Senate uh, and who control whether or not a bill ever gets a hearing won't even allow it to be heard. We can't even have um, legitimate debate or discussion on it. Um, but I think that everyone is in their own ecosystems and they would, you know, in some areas, um, they're not going to know about all the work that I've done on, you know, school safety issues where I've gone all around the state trying to figure out ways to ensure that our kids are safer at school. But they sure as hell am going to know about that joke I made about drag queens, because that's all they're going to hear when they're listening to Fox, when they're watching One American News or Newsmax uh, or where they're looking at, you know, certain feeds uh, on, um, you know, Telegram or, you know, or Facebook. It, it's hard to know. Not only are the Republicans in Michigan and throughout the country, but also we see this particularly in Michigan blocking important legislation like legislation for responsible gun ownership. But it almost is these elected Republican officials. I would say it's a dog whistle, but it seems like a trumpet at this point to extremist groups, neo-Nazi groups, and really kind of encouraging them and pushing them to engage in some of these horrific acts. I mean, we see the rise of domestic extremism across the country, but Michigan has really been ground zero for these extremist groups. We have the four members of the neo-Nazi group called The Base, and I think Al-Qaeda calls themselves the base, too. I mean, this neo-Nazi group named themselves after Al-Qaeda or used the same name. Can you tell us a little bit about the group, the charges, um, and uh, if they pled? Yeah, so this was, and I will say of the work that, I, that I've done in the department and in the state, I think this is one of the things that I'm most proud of, and here's why. These members of, of this uh, domestic terrorism group, this white supremacy group, they were training with firearms uh, and they had sort of co-opted a former Michigan Department of Corrections facility that was abandoned in order to train for uh, mass chaos. And their plan was simply to kill as many people uh, as possible. And they were still in the process of choosing who their target was going to be, although we knew it would be a minority group. And, you know, we were able to work with our partners in the federal government, also with the state prosecutor and local law enforcement. And before they could actually commit mass carnage, uh, we were able to charge them. It was the first time, not just in Michigan history, but in American history, that we charged individuals uh, with a defense that's basically training with firearms for the purpose of causing civil unrest. It had never been charged before uh, in the history of the United States, but we charged it. And we convicted them all and they're in prison now. Uh, so they're not going to be committing mass homicide. So, 
you know, I'm proud of the fact that we we didn't have an event like we just saw recently in Buffalo or we've seen in Charleston or we've seen in various other places um, because we were able to levy these charges and we were able to work together with law enforcement all across the spectrum to do that. Um, but I, I think it needs to be a more coordinated effort because obviously we know uh, that these plans are everywhere. And I think about things like what we just saw in Idaho and thank God that there was a tip and they were able to arrest these people, but who knows what would have happened in the event that those individuals had not been arrested. And there are similar plans underway in states all across the country. And we have to be as vigilant as possible. We ought to be focusing on groups like the base and you know, not on Trixie Deluxe or RuPaul or any of the other drag queens out there uh, that are emulating uh, such dangerous characters as Marilyn Monroe and Cher. You know what, too? It just seems, though, there's such this hypocritical phoniness, you know, with many of these Republicans who are currently running. I would try to make a broad sweep and perhaps say all of them, but even have like Carrie Lake over in Arizona, who's running for governor, who we saw taking pictures with drag queens and having all this fun and should be bringing her daughter to the drag queens. But then when she runs, she she runs on this radical anti-drag queen agenda, anti-drag queen agenda. You know, it's the strangest thing in the world, but she's got photos for the last decade posing with drag queens. She's probably posed with more drag queens than anyone in the United States. Can we see a certain picture of Madison Cawthorn where it looked as though, you know, he was attending a a party and he was almost similarly dressed. And we have pictures of Rudy Giuliani uh, dressed in drag. But but the thing is, um, when you talk about, you know, this this trope, this ridiculous uh, narrative about drag queens sexualizing children. The fact of the matter is I have some of the largest uh, widespread sexual abuse cases in American history that are currently pending in my office. We have the the clergy abuse investigation where we've charged 11 members of the clergy, convicted six of them so far. The Boy Scouts of America investigation where we've estimated that there are nearly 3000 victims in the state of Michigan. Uh, And we have various investigations going into, wait for it, uh, public officials, most of them Republicans. Um, One who was a former Speaker of the House uh, who has various accusations levied levied against him. But here's the thing, even though most of these investigations involve straight Christian males, you certainly don't hear the Republicans saying, oh my God, we can't allow our kids to be around straight Christian males because look at all these instances of sexual abuse. Uh, these are cases where we've, we've not just investigated, we've prosecuted, we have convictions. Um, guess how many investigations we have ongoing into drag queens in the state of Michigan? I would venture to say you probably have zero. Zero, and let me go a little, a step further, just in terms of, I know that trans uh, people are very different from drag queens, so let's not confuse them, but. A few years ago, when we were hearing on and on about the the dangers posed by trans women in bathrooms, I actually went to the effort to go to county prosecutors and to ask, hey, listen, in your sex crimes divisions, can you tell me how many trans women have attacked children? Guess what the answer was? I'm going to go and say zero. 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 And I actually had the Wayne County prosecutor, Wayne County Um, Our most populous county is where Detroit is. 1.7 million people reside there. Half of the felony uh, cases that are charged every year 
occur in Wayne County. We went back some, I think, 15 years all through her uh, sex crimes division, and there were zero cases of any trans women who were even, you know, who had warrants presented against them, let alone charged, let alone convicted. So when you talk about, you know, fabricating this just to scapegoat individuals uh, who not only are they not predators, they're victims. I have charged and tried many, many cases of trans women who were assaulted and trans women who were brutally tortured and murdered, but no cases where they were the actual defendants. And that's the reality of what we're talking about. And when you take groups of people like the LGBT community and you, you talk about them as though they're groomers, you talk about them as though they are sexualizing children, what you're doing is you're actually putting them in harm's way and you are increasing the likelihood that they will become the victims of hate crimes. So that's what we're seeing in Michigan and all across America. It's not just that they're not helping kids, um, but they're, they're hurting kids because a lot of those kids who identify as LGBT and will grow up to are going to end up committing suicide. I mean, that's, that's the real threat that we're talking about posed by Republicans. And you know what? Let me say this. For some of those Republicans, it's going to be their children. And in terms of cases that Americans want to see brought, you know, a new poll shows about 60 percent of Americans after watching the first three hearings so far of the January 6th committee believe that Donald Trump should be charged for his involvement in the insurrection. Now, the Republican candidate for attorney general in Michigan, Matt DiPerno, is one of the loudest pushers of the big lie, even as recently as a week ago or so, made legal filings to the Michigan Supreme Court to hear a case, Bailey versus the county of Antrim, a case challenging the 2020 presidential election results. They've already been investigated audits. Americans who are watching the Jan 6th committee, see what's going on, you know, quote unquote, team normal, Trump's own people, all of these Republican witnesses who are going before the January 6th committee, all testifying that what Trump was doing was unlawful. Uh, are the people in Michigan seeing what Matt DiPerno is doing? And, you know, how do you even have someone so radical who's running for such an important position? And what would that mean to the people of Michigan if someone like that could ever get in power. I mean, uh, from from a standpoint of all of their their civil rights. Well, let's talk about a few things. Firstly, the Trump appointed U.S. attorney of the Eastern District of Michigan, a guy by the name of Matthew Schneider, um, following the instructions of Bill Barr after the 2020 election, he actually investigated Detroit. So all of the goings on involving the TCF Center, which is the subject uh, of um, such uh, incredible documentaries as 2000 Mules, um, he investigated it and he came out and he said, even though he was a Trump appointee, I, I looked into that. I did a thorough and comprehensive investigation, found no evidence of any kind of fraud that was occurring there. And he said the reason why he feels so disjointed from the Republican Party, of which he's been a member his entire life, is because he said, you know, he swore an oath to the Constitution, not to Donald Trump. Um, that, and then he made those reports to Bill Barr. And that's why when you heard Bill, Bill Barr during the January 6th testimony, he said, um, I believe the words he used were, it was bullshit, those allegations. 
Um, same thing with uh, the other connections to January 6th in Michigan. We know that uh, Ed McBroom, a senator from uh, the Upper Peninsula, who was the chair of the Senate Oversight Committee, did a you know lengthy analysis of any alleged voting fraud in Michigan. He said he could find absolutely none, but he did refer fraud to me, to my department, because he found that my opponent um, had committed fraud by raising some four hundred thousand uh, dollars or more off of the pretense that there was fraud to support that court case that you just talked about. Um, you also had a Senate Majority Leader, Mike Shirky, who indicated that he uh, was subpoenaed and he testified before the January 6th committee because of the pressure that was applied to him by Donald Trump to undermine the legitimate results of the election. He also said he could find no fraud. So I think it's brilliant that the January 6th uh, committee is using really almost exclusively Democrat, or sorry, Republicans in order to to you know uh, to establish the 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 premise, the truthful premise that there was no uh, systemic election fraud in Michigan or in any state uh, across the country. Are people are people believing it as they're hearing it? I don't know, because I think the same people that are watching Fox News are really not hearing this. But I will say, as you indicated, almost 60 percent of the people now believe not just I think that that the election was safe, secure and accurate, but that Donald Trump actually created a sorry, committed a crime uh, when he did all the all the mechanisms in place to try to overthrow the election. I should say further, my opponent was in Washington, D.C., on January 6th, in the State Department, helping to plan this coup. And he actually bragged about it in a questionnaire that he filled out. And he underlined it with, I was in at the State Department on January 6th, you know, planning with the Trump people. Don't tell the feds. Not kidding you. Don't tell the feds. So that's my opponent, the governor's race. The leading candidate right now is Ryan Kelly, who's actually been charged in relation to the insurrection. Uh, but, but these are the leading candidates for their party. And it really tells you who the Republican Party is right now. They are the party of insurrection. They are the party of civil unrest. They are the party of illegalities. Um, and they will destroy this country in the event that they are elected to such important offices as governor, uh, as attorney general, and also in our state, uh, the election denier, who is the Republican endorsed candidate for secretary of state. We will have no more democracy in the state of Michigan if the three of them become elected. And we're recording this on Monday, June 20th. We're expecting more Supreme Court decisions this Tuesday and this Thursday. One of those decisions that I anticipate will be coming this week is the decision overturning Roe v. Wade. We've already seen the draft opinion there. Um, can you speak to how important this election is for Attorney General in light of what we all know this decision is going to be overturning Roe v. Wade? Well, uh, as many people know, we have a 1931 law that will immediately spring back to, into effect. The only reason it's not been enforced uh, all these many years is because of Roe v. Wade. And it, it makes abortion a felony in our state. It means that providers can be prosecuted. If women uh, self-administer an abortion pill in Michigan, they can be 
charged with a felony. Um, and, you know, abortion medication would become illegal in Michigan. So I have pledged not to enforce that law in the event that the law is viable again and, and is enforceable, just like there are many laws that I don't enforce, such as, for instance, the adultery law I've never enforced. Um, uh, but that being the case, my opponent has said this. Uh, and remember, this law has no exceptions for rape. It has no exceptions for incest, and it really doesn't have exceptions for medical emergency. It, the, only, the one and only exception is to save the life of the woman. But my opponent has said that not only is he excited to vigorously enforce this law, he doesn't believe that there are actually any circumstances under which a woman could die during pregnancy. And he believes uh, in the concept of personhood as soon as fertilization takes place, which means a lot of things. One, uh, no more fertility clinics. I'll tell you that right now. No more IVF, because if you plan on creating a zygote in a lab somewhere and potentially disposing of it, you're now a, you're now a felon. You've committed a felony. So all our, our fertility clinics will have to shut down. But furthermore, for women who undergo serious complications of their pregnancy, whether that's in, you know, uh, a, a, an eptopic pregnancy, whether it's somebody who has incredibly high blood pressure, and we know that there might be a 40 or 50% chance that they die during the course of childbirth, um, whether it's an individual like uh, a state rep from um, the Portage area in Michigan, uh, Christine Morse, who indicated, I mean, she was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of, of breast cancer while she was pregnant with her fourth child, uh, so much so that, you know, she may have died had she not been able to get uh, surgery, chemotherapy and radiation. And her oncologist said he would never perform that if she was still pregnant. He would never treat her. So people like that will be left to die uh, and especially poor women of color that won't have access to medical care. So the contrast couldn't be greater here. He's going to have an entire division devoted to executing search warrants and subpoenas to go into doctor's offices, to open up patient files, to see what kind of procedures those doctors are performing. Whereas I have said, this is a private medical matter between a woman and her healthcare provider, a woman and her family. Um, and as the state's top law enforcement official who has criminal jurisdiction over all 83 counties, um, I don't plan to uh, I don't plan to intervene in that decision, which I, again, believe is inappropriate for whether you are a government official, a politician in Lansing or in Washington, D.C. That's none of my damn business. And I want to keep drilling down on this Matt DiPerno, the Republican uh, candidate for attorney general. DiPerno even went as far as to profess his undying loyalty to Trump. He said something like, Donald Trump is still my president, the 45th president of the United States, and I dare say the 47th. Now, what does it say that he's pledged his loyalty to one man and not the Constitution, the rule of law, Michigan or the United States? And Attorney General, before answering that question, let's just hear from one of our sponsors, Jordy. Look, everybody listening, you have to know about Thuma because Thuma has changed the game. It's changed my life. Your bedroom deserves a refresh. And now is the perfect time to elevate the most important room in your home with Thuma. 
Okay. Made for how you live, the Bed by Thuma is backed with a lifetime warranty. It ships right to your door in three easy to maneuver boxes. And I mean, easy to maneuver boxes. It takes about five ish minutes to assemble, which is absurd. Have you ever tried to assemble a bed? This takes five ish minutes to assemble. That's it. No tools required. That's also an amazing part of this. Look, you can easily build this thing yourself. Along with the bed, Thuma offers other bedroom essentials to elevate the bedtime. That's right. That's the nightstand, the side table, and the tray are also perfect components to the bed. I have the night table and the side table, and it is amazing. It makes my life so much easier. Thuma works with one tree planted to plant one tree for every bed and nightstand sold. And all of their essentials are Green Guard Gold Certificate. So not only are you buying an amazing product, you're actually buying something for a company who cares. What's better than that? Look, create that feeling of checking into your favorite boutique hotel suite, but at home with the bed by Thuma. So now go to thuma.co slash touch to receive a $25 credit towards your purchase of the bed plus free shipping in the continental US. So go to thuma.co slash touch. That's T-H-U-M-A dot C-O slash touch for a $25 credit. Now back to our interview with Dana Ness. I want to keep drilling down on this Matt DiPerno, the Republican uh, candidate for attorney general. DiPerno even went as far as to profess his undying loyalty to Trump. He said something like, Donald Trump is still my president the 45th president of the United States, and I dare say the 47th. Now, what does it say that he's pledged his loyalty to one man and not the Constitution, the rule of law, Michigan, or the United States? It means that he will do anything and everything to ensure that Donald, Donald Trump is declared the winner of the presidential election in Michigan and that he gets our 15 electoral votes. There are so many things that as attorney general you can do. You know, it's your job to uh, defend the certification process. And in many instances, if it's contested, you know, that's a lot of work. All of the cases that I had to defend in uh, the 2020 election, whether it was going after the postal service to make sure that absentee ballots were delivered on time to be counted, whether it was defending cases involving uh, Sidney Powell, the Kraken, uh, when she tried to decertify our election, or the case filed in front of the United States Supreme Court by uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Uh, the list goes on and on and on as to how much work I had to do and my department had to do to defend the legitimate results of the election so that our electoral votes could go to the guy who actually won our state by 154,000 votes. It wasn't even close. So if you have an attorney general in this state like Matt DiPerno, who believes that his, his job is to ensure that Donald Trump gets our electoral votes, it'll be very easy for him to do. And it really won't matter uh, what the voters decide to do because it will only matter what you know, Matt DiPerno is attorney general and uh, Christina Caramo, should she be elected secretary of state? They will have more power than the millions and millions of voters in our state put together if they seek to undermine an election. They can do it. That is a scary, scary thought right there. And obviously, DiPerno's statements are outrageous, but they're also terrifying. I mean, this man is also 
went a step further and threatened you with jail time, Governor Whitmer with jail time, Secretary of State Benson with jail time, if he wins the election. So how do you handle an opponent that is just openly fascist? I mean, this is happening when we know that Governor Whitmer was on a radical uh, right hit list, too. Yeah, several, actually. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's all I can do is sort of joke about it. But it's a really serious set of circumstances, you know, and I remember especially when um, uh, Matthew DiPerno went to Mar-a-Lago uh, for the fundraiser that Donald Trump held for him. And, uh, you know, he continually talks about locking um, myself and Governor Whitmer and Secretary Benson up. Um, and when when asked, well, what did Attorney General Nessel do that would cause her to be uh, and, you know, prosecuted and imprisoned. And um, Donald Trump said, she knows what she did. Um, but I want you to think about this for a second. You know, again, top attorney general in this state, top law enforcement official, criminal jurisdiction in every county in this state, uh, the ability to get search warrants and subpoenas. And I mean, to have somebody have the opportunity to abuse this position, the way that it can be if it's in the wrong hands, is honestly terrifying. Uh, and, you know, this is something we, when we think about banana republics, when we think about, um, you know, nations that, you know, don't have a true criminal justice system where you just have unlimited authority uh, for those who are in power uh, to lock people up, to investigate people, to fabricate cases against them. You know, that's that's really what we're looking at right now. And I, I think it um, it makes a mockery of our justice system to think that you would have somebody like him who has predetermined our fates. I mean, he's already said he intends to imprison us. Uh, and and but he's it's very hard for him to be specific about the illegal conduct that he believes that we've committed. Um, and can you imagine every time that that he has a perceived political enemy for him to use the authority of the state and the authority of the Department of Attorney General uh, to go after uh, his opponents? It's it's terrifying. And it also just feels like pure projection. And that's what the Republican Party has become. Everything that they accuse Democrats of, they are actually doing. And I want to talk specifically about this massive signature forging operation that actually happened in, in Michigan. And ironically, 20,000 signatures on the GOP-led voter fraud petition were deemed fraudulent. Five GOP candidates for governor in Michigan were deemed ineligible because their petitions were filed and filled with fraudulent signatures. Now, is there going to be accountability for this fraud? And what does this tell you about the Republican Party right now? Well, let me say this, Jordy. So we have multiple uh, election fraud related investigations that are ongoing. And if I could just sort of recount some of them. So we have the uh, false slate of electors uh, investigation that we refer to the feds, but we still have that in our office as well. And it can be charged both in state court and federal court. All Republicans involved in that. Uh, we have the case that you just talked about in terms of signature fraud, five Republican candidates who turned in uh, what appear to be uh, fraudulent signatures, thousands and thousands of them. Um, this is in entirely involving Republicans. I'm not saying that those gubernatorial candidates knew specifically about the fraud, but it did involve their signature petitions. Uh, we have an ongoing case that involves the uh, alleged uh, 
transfer of election equipment tabulators from the hands of uh, Republican clerks to third parties and an attempt uh, apparently to manipulate them. All Republicans involved uh, in that set of circumstances. We have um, an investigation we talked about previously involving the former Republican Speaker of the House and um, not just allegations of sexual assault, but also of campaign finance irregularities. We have another investigation uh, that involves uh, the current Senate Majority Leader and allegations of campaign finance related uh, irregularities. The thing that all of these cases have in common, it's not just that they involve Republicans, but they were referred to my department for investigation almost exclusively by other Republicans. These aren't people that I went after as attorney general and said, I'm gonna, you know, these are, you know, political opponents of mine and I'd like to see them fail. So I'm going to investigate. These are referrals from other Republicans to my department to investigate. Not to mention the one that we talked about earlier, of course, involving my opponent, that case being referred by four Republicans who were on the state Senate oversight committee. So uh, all I can say is the people who complain loudest about their being election fraud or a lack of integrity in our system of elections are, are the ones out there who were, you know, have these allegations of election fraud. I have yet to see a case that involves Democrats engaged in election fraud, with the exception of a few minor cases that I, I, I have charged. Mm -hmm. I did charge the Southfield City clerk uh, who was a Democrat before the 2020 election involving some improprieties during the 2018 election. Uh, the deputy clerk in Genesee County, uh, there's an allegation of her doing something. So there are some that involve uh, some minor allegations, but they've been charged too. I mean, I will charge anybody, Republican or Democrat, uh, who engages in any kind of election fraud, but the very widespread um, systemic types of issues that have the ability to undermine an entire election. Um, you know, these are these are cases that that primarily involve Republicans. And so I, to me, the way that I see it is, you know, we believe that there is election fraud going on in Michigan. And how are we going to prove it? By engaging in election fraud, just to prove to you that it can be. That, that's like saying to somebody, by the way, I think that banks are not safe and secure and can be robbed. And I'm going to prove it to you by robbing some banks. Ah, you're so right. I mean, the Republican Party is just so lawless. You're going to do and you do the job without, you know, if someone has a D next to their name or an R next to name, you don't care. You're going to do the job regardless. And you clearly have facts that back that up. And now I just, I just want to go back to where we first uh, sort of started this interview. And I want to wish all of our listeners a happy Pride Month. Uh, now, many of our listeners may not know, but you played a key role in the 2015 Supreme Court case that legalized marriage equality. So bringing us back to where we started, what are your thoughts when you see Republican candidates who, who want to go backwards, who are making the LGBTQ community just a, a, a target right now? Yeah, honestly, it, it's a crushing blow. I mean, I remember uh, what we call decision day from 2015. It's when the Obergefell v. Hodges decision came down. Um, part of that, it was the consolidation of a number of cases from the Sixth Circuit. So those were cases from Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee. 
And even though it's titled Obergefell, who was the Ohio plaintiff in that case, um, I think that if you read the case, the most significant part of it really is uh, the DeBoer Rouse family. So those were our clients who were a same sex couple. They had adopted five uh, children from foster care and were trying to get legal rights to marry so that they could jointly adopt those children. Because in Michigan, you have to be married. You have to be a married couple in order to jointly adopt. And we actually tried that case in 2014. It was only the third time in American history that you know the issue of marriage equality was put to a test and put to trial. And we won at trial. And I actually beat the Michigan attorney general, who that's who my case was against. Um, and, uh, and now there's a giant pride flag in the lobby of the Department of Attorney General. So sometimes things go full circle. But that being the case, I had really thought, well, this is going to be the beginning of the end of anti-LGBTQ discrimination, right? Um, and in fact, I just argued a case myself personally in uh, March 2nd before the Michigan Supreme Court that would allow our state civil rights act to include sexual orientation and gender identity. But as hard as some of us in government are trying to do what the vast majority of the public here in Michigan would like to see, which is full equality under every law for LGBTQ people, um, I don't know, the, the Republicans just can't let it go. They can't just accept the fact that if you look at Generation Z, I mean, you're talking about over 90% of this population, this, this very large population who doesn't see anything wrong with a person identifying as LGBTQ. And very many, much, many of them do. Far more any more uh, you know, kids that are in Generation Z than people who were in my generation, Generation X. So, I mean, they're really trying to pull us backwards and they, they just can't accept the fact that, you know, most people want full equality. And, and the numbers are startling. When I tried that case in 2014, I think we were above 50% of people uh, in America who wanted to see marriage equality, but we're now well over 70%, right? So what's happened in the intervening seven years since that decision came down seven years this month is that people have said, wow, all these same sex couples have married and, you know, like California and New York didn't fall into the ocean and my life didn't get worse because my, my neighbor or, you know, that nice couple whose friends, whose, whose son plays with my son on, you know, the school soccer team, nothing terrible happened because those people were able to marry. Um, so the vast majority of the public uh, wants to see laws that allow for things like same-sex marriage or allow for LGBTQ people to be covered under our state civil rights act or our state hate crimes act. They want to see that. But for that small minority of Republicans, um, they still want to turn this community uh, into they just want to demonize us. And I think that's why it's so important that people like myself and like other people who are representatives of the community run for office the same way we should have representatives from every community in our state, in our country, so we can push back and say, hey, we're we're here. We are members uh, of this of this state. We're residents here. 
Um, we care about the same things you care about. We care about good education for our kids and having um, clean water and good infrastructure. Uh, and, and we care about climate change. We care about all the things that make our state and our country a better place to live. And you're not going to use us as an excuse uh, as to why we can't have a better state to live in and a better country to live in. Um, you know, we are not your problem, uh, but working together, we can be part of the solution. And Attorney General, not only do you talk the talk, but you walk the walk. I mean, you mentioned it, which I want our listeners and viewers to pick up on. You actually argue these cases yourself and you are a trial lawyer is your background. Um, and that's not a normal thing for people listening and watching. The attorney general <laughs> often isn't the person who actually does, you know, oral arguments and go into court and do it. It's usually delegated to deputies. I mean, sometimes, but you still love going into court. Yeah, I do. And I think it's important sometimes that people see my face uh, and know that these aren't just talking points. Like these are these are issues that are critically important to me as the office holder. Uh, and yeah, I miss being in court. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the, uh, the attorney part of being attorney general more than the politician part. And I think it's dangerous sometimes when you have people who have never really practiced law and now they are the top lawyer for the state of Michigan, because when it comes to things like legal theories and making certain arguments, uh, and even, um, the laws of civil and criminal procedure, I feel like for a lot of these things, if you were just a politician, but you didn't know the rules of evidence uh, and you didn't actually know the court rules, I don't think you'd be very good at this job, honestly. Uh, and, and the same way when someone runs for, and I'll give you an example, you know, our governor, before she became governor of Michigan, she was the minority le leader in the state Senate. She was there for eight years before that. Uh, Governor Whitmer was in the state House of Representatives uh, for six years. So she was somebody who really had a lot of experience with state government. So by the time she became governor, she understood critically, like, how do you how does the budget process come about? She didn't you know, come from some outside place where she had no idea how to do that. And this is the thing that we talk about a lot is that when we say, oh, all politicians are bad, and so we want to elect people who have no experience, it comes back to the same thing. If you're talking about a dentist or your doctor or a CPA, we don't want people who have literally no experience in the field that they're now practicing. So I think I'm a better attorney general because I spent you know, the first 25 years of my career as an attorney. Uh, and I think that goes for a lot of different positions. And it's why I think we're really having a problem in our state government right now because we have these very draconian term limits, which means we recycle people very, very quickly. So no one can actually become an expert in the thing that they're doing. And I understand, yeah, maybe you don't want to have people in office that are so long that it feels like they're sort of immune from being ousted in election because people are just going to go based on name recognition. But now we have a whole bunch of people there that by the time they become Speaker of the House of Representatives in Michigan, which is arguably the second most, um, you know, critical position in our state with the most authority, they just learned where the bathroom was. I mean, they've only been there for four years and now they're the Speaker of the House. And I, you know, where there's an effort underway by both Republicans and Democrats to extend term limits because we think that is 
so dangerous and it creates um, a culture of people who are uninformed and will never be held accountable for their actions because they're not going to be there long enough. But yeah, I, I still think of myself as an attorney and I still like to practice as an attorney, even as attorney general. We appreciate you coming on the show, Attorney General Nessel. We hope you come back before the election and we appreciate you so much and everything you're doing for the state of Michigan and this country. Well, thanks for your amazing podcast and thanks for letting people, uh, you know, who hold down ballot, ballot seats like mine to be able to talk about the importance of our offices. It makes a real difference. And you know what? There's a big audience out there of people who want to hear from people like you, who the mainstream media and other media just aren't having in-depth conversations. And I think that is a major problem that we're having in the country is presenting political discourse requires more than a talking point here or there, it requires these real serious conversations like the ones we've had today. And what I found is that people crave this. People love to have attorney generals like you on really explaining the issues that matter to them. That's what they're searching for right now. And so it's it's really appreciated. Yeah. Attorneys general, we're here for more than just to support drag queens. <laughs> you heard it there first on the Midas Touch podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back. Great interview with Attorney General Dana Nessel. She's incredible. Really the epitome of what I would want an attorney general to be. Um, uh, truly incredible on all sides and um, thankful that she joined us on the podcast. And I'm thankful that we get to do interviews yeah. like that on the Midas Touch podcast where we can really hear from leaders of states who are making an impact. And we don't need to hear the BS rhetoric and the sound bites and all of the crap. You get the facts. I want to have conversations. I, I view Midas touch and what we do in a way. You know, the, you know, there's a behind me. You know what that is, right? The sign, the Midas touch sign? No, below the sign. Uh, fireplace? Exactly. Because I view this as kind of fireside chats, if you will. Oh. And that's what I think this really is. Like we're having the modern version of a fireside chat with people to highlight these critical issues and empower you at home to really take control or wherever you're listening, to take control and to go out, to be confident with these facts, to educate others, to be the change that we need. You are the change that we need. Go check out store.mitistouch.com, store.mitistouch.com for all the great Midas merch. Make sure you check out the Midas Touch live stream of day four of the January 6th hearings that will be starting at noon Eastern, nine Pacific on Tuesday. Make sure you check out the live stream, one of the most watched live streams for the January 6th hearings. As you know, we have our own cameras so cool. that we've licensed <laughs> in the room. We have our own proprietary footage that we take. We deliver this to you in a, in a very unique way with the commentators who speak before. We don't have the commentators on during so that you can just pay attention to what's actually going on. And then during the breaks, we bring our commentators back. We have Michael Cohen as a commentator in Texas, Paul, and we have politics girl um, um, amongst others. So what an incredible panel that we have of, of just kind of regular Americans, if you will, right. you know, who non-political people, though, who are 
you know, Cohen may be a little political. But <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> but who have, you know, these very unique, uh, very unique perspectives. So thank you everybody for listening to this Midas Touch podcast. I'm sure uh, Brett been texting with Brett. He's, he, I think he's feeling a little better. Um, but it was great sharing this one just with you, Jordy. And we'll see what the ratings show. We'll see if uh, Ben and Jordy's just the, it was just be a duo. I'm just Num- numbers don't We're lie. Excited. <laughs> We're excited to get Brett back. Um, we hope he feels better. And uh, to all the uh, fathers out there, for anyone who had the role of father figure, um, we just want to wish you a happy Father's Day for this past weekend. And also, we want to acknowledge, of course, Juneteenth. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that under Biden, Juneteenth became a federal holiday. And it is important that we recognize our history, um, you know, as as Americans so that we could, you know, get better. We, we need the truth. You know, we need to talk about absolutely the truth. Um, so on that, thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Midas Touch podcast. We will see you next time. Shout out to the Midas Midas.